Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. Today's show is brought to you by Central, commercial carpenters and supporters of our conversations. Today we are back from Sturbridge, Selfridge? Selfridge. Selfridge, right next Same to region. S- right next to Sturbridge, right? Yeah, yeah. next town over. Next town over. Uh, we just spent two days out at the FPAM conference. Today we have Mike Yanovich back with us, per usual to talk some code. Uh, it was the Fire Prevention Association of Massachusetts, their annual conference. It's great. It's really two days of education and meeting with code professionals in the industry. What would you say? 98% fire officials and then a few um, building officials, some other consultants were present. Yeah. Vendors. Vendors. Think, a lot yeah. of vendors. A lot of great vendors. A lot of vendors. Some interesting stuff out there. Um, so we just thought as we were sitting through these sessions, we saw that there was a couple of interesting points and Mike and I were chatting about them and we kind of put our notes together and threw something down and figured we would share with you the conversation or share with you the notes we picked up from the sessions we sat in on. Do you want to just, uh, forgive me, do you want to just close that window? Awesome, because it's making the door go up and down. All right, Mike, uh, how about you? What was one of the things that you picked up? So one of the things that we sat in on that kind of, you know, is finally coming through uh, to fruition. We chatted about years ago. I remember sitting through, um, you know, what's next seminar and somebody talking about NFPA X, which was going to be, you know, a commissioning um, mm you know, code that was going to come out because we have all these requirements that we follow as far as um, witnessing testing of of building systems and, um, you know, the the systems are accepted and then we never go back to the building to see if they're functioning or we never check to see if those systems are functioning anymore. So if I could interrupt and it would be back to the things where we would go out on these jobs, do testing, and they would have a like these old sandwich smoke control systems where if you had a fire on a floor, that floor would go negative. The two floors above and below would go positive. So there was all this like hodgepodge of stuff. And as you were alluding to, things that people would put Band-Aid and bubble gum and caulking all over the place to get a stair pressurization thing to pass that night. And then the next day the thing would probably fail. Would probably fail. Um, So – and the conversation was around like, hey, we're going to get something that really nails us down and gives us also um, some follow-up to make sure that it is continuously working. Right. Yeah. So the one of the most significant changes coming forward in the building code when and if we adopt the 2021 hmm. is going to be integrated testing of uh, life safety uh, fire protection systems. So just quick to step back a bit. This was adopted actually for municipalities or a state that adopted the 2018 uh, IBC, International Building Code. Those states have this requirement already, uh, which is interesting because Massachusetts, which always seems to be at the forefront of uh, fire protection and and the fire protection industry, we didn't adopt the 2018, so we don't have this requirement yet. So the requirement uh, that we'll be see coming forward, what we'll see coming forward in the 2021 code is for integrated testing. Essentially, if you have 
two or more life safety or fire protection systems within your building, um, you're going to be required to uh, have a plan for accepting uh, these systems prior to certificate of occupancy. So the IBC captures two of these instances. Uh, the first one being high-rise buildings. So all high-rise buildings will be required uh, to have these tests done. And, and essentially what it is is to make sure that these systems operate uh, together. So there's an, an initiating system and then what happens after uh, the system initiates, whether it's a fire alarm system initiating a smoke control or mm. if it's a um, you know, fire alarm system initiating a sprinkler system. It's to make sure that they're integrated and they function properly together rather than just each system operating independently of each other. And being tested independently of each other. Um, it's funny, so we do a class on life safety systems. Let's just talk about this a little bit. And the whole point of that class is that you might know about fire alarm systems or sprinkler systems or smoke control or generator or all the other things that are out there. But do you know how they work together? And it's not just those mechanical systems, it's also the passive systems. Right. So um, doors, dampers, fire rated walls, all, all these things work together. You need all those things together to have uh, the system work properly. It's a, you know, if you're missing one of the links, the system's is right. going to fail. And now not to kind of scare people. So you had said, um, before I go th into this, you had said high rise needs to comply with NFPA 4. Right. And what's the other one? Any build, uh, I'm not even sure if I got to that yet, but so th in the IBC 2021, there's two instances that are called out. Any high rise building, mm -hmm. so in Massachusetts, 70 feet high is a high rise building. Yep. Um, and then the second instance is where you have a smoke control system within the building. Um, so that could be atrium. Stair pressurization, um, you know, anything of that nature. So. So that's the second instance. Yeah. Uh, but I would keep in mind, right, that the only thing that would – if you had stair pressurization, you have a high-rise anyway, right? Right. So it's probably not too many cases outside of a high-rise that you would need this. Um, well, I think that would go to – I'm just spitballing here. I don't know that for sure, but like – So interestingly enough, you could have, if you have um, – you know, atrium exhaust, you could have atrium exhaust that's not a high-rise building. Right. And we're gonna, we, you know, I think we learned in a previous um, podcast that we had that atriums are going to be a little bit different mm -hmm. in, the, in the new code. But you could have atrium exhaust and you could have uh, a fire alarm system, an atrium exhaust and a sprinkler system. Those are two systems. That mm. would not need to be a high-rise at that point for that to be uh, required to have integrated testing. Correct. So and further, I think I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but um, no, go for it. you know the fact that NFPA, the new version of NFPA one, kind of captures uh, all uses. You could have a you could have a factory building for that matter. You could have a single story uh, warehouse building that could theoretically require this because it's going to have multiple systems contained with it. You so it could be that you have an energy system, so a carbon dioxide extinguishing system, which is an alternative extinguishing system, and a fire alarm system. So the integrated testing is going to require that you test to make sure that those two systems operate together. So if the energy system goes off, the fire alarm is going to react accordingly. Yep. Okay. So 2018 says 
high rises and anything that has smoke control. And like you were just laying out, anytime you have two systems, you have to make sure they're working together. So as you said, with the intrigen system, it could just be that the water flow on the sprinkler triggers a fire alarm. Fire alarm releases the mag lock on a door. You just have to test all those things in conjunction. And if you're in Boston, we pretty much, well, I'm saying we. We used to. But yeah. We used to, but, you know, Boston and Boston Fire in particular, with the combination of the building department, does a pretty comprehensive job when it comes to making sure that it is integrated testing. But what this is saying is anywhere where that wasn't happening, and in this case, you on the owner side, you need to have someone that is the what they call the integrated testing agent. Just like NFPA 241, they say this is the owner's responsibility. So it's the owner's responsibility. They have to have an integrated testing agent. That's who that person will be. And that person will have to put together a integrated testing plan. Right. That plan has to be acceptable to the AHJ. So that's kind of NFPA 4 in a nutshell at this point. I think we're going to touch on a little more. One, one part of this that okay. I think is significant is, once again, I started off with saying you go in, let's say you have a stair pressurization system, and um, you know that's initiated by the fire alarm system. So you're accepting these systems, and then when are they tested again for integration? When are they tested to make sure mm. that, uh, you know, usually, as you said, the fire department leaves, the occupancy is issued, and when is there a full test ever done again? Who, you know, who confirms? Mm. So part of this is that every not more than 10 years that these systems are going to have to be tested once again. Mm -hmm. And it's tested for integration to make sure that those systems are still shaking hands uh, and operating the way that they should operate. So, so that's significant because there's never been, other than NFPA requiring maintenance on particular mm -hmm. systems, there's never really been a requirement to see that they are shaking hands and that they are still operating in the manner that they were under the occupancy. And I think we know historically, though, the question is, if, if the AHJ isn't following up, does that get done? So I think the AHJ historically has been good about saying, let me see your fire alarm and sprinkler tests, things like that. But they, we've never made that leap into the smoke control. We've never made that leap into the integrated nature, which is what you are referring to. Or are these things being tested together? Right. So the question is, this is one more time and they're being, because it's been in there to some degree that everybody should be doing that, whether it is in the you know, test, testing that's required, maintenance that's required, uh, picked up an NFPA 1. These things are all there smattered, but I think NFPA 4 kind of really solidifies it and makes it much more clearer where, hey, this is just one book talking about that, saying you need to do that. So it remains to be seen whether fire and building uh, follow through and make sure that they're seeing these testing or finding a way to get this testing when you're going for an occupancy, whatever that check-in point is, but uh, per the standard, and maybe it's the insurance company that steps in and says, hey, you got to make sure you're complying with NFPA 4. Right. But a little bit remains to be seen, but either way, I think there's going to be a renewed focus or a new focus on integrated testing everywhere. Yeah, I can almost see a scenario, and I believe this was talked about at some point, um, where you know a, a particular building is going for permits to renovate a space or to add a new a new tenant, 
and it may be that the authority having jurisdiction says, okay, um, you know, at that point, it may be, oh, show me your, show me your testing mm-hmm. reports for your stair pressurization, your smoke exhaust system. Um, you know, that, that could absolutely be a situation. And, and uh, you know, we, we don't want to add hurdles, but again, these are systems that are complex and they're life safety systems. And you go through all this trouble of installing these systems. It, a stair pressurization, as you know, is one of the most complicated systems mm-hmm. in a building to get past. Uh, why are we not making sure that they're you know, still functioning and integrated as they should be? Yeah. No, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Another thing that we don't have any code citations on, but it was just kind of some chatter that was out in the hallway was I had heard um, and was talking with someone about the fact that I think uh, there was going to be a proposal for the Massachusetts amendments for the next edition of the building code to pick up NFPA 1, Chapter 38. I think it's the 2018 or the 2021 edition, but Chapter 38 is cannabis facilities and i believe it's extraction processing and grow or whatever they call it uh yeah growing processing and extraction facilities so they're looking to pick that up and i i thumbed through it real quickly and it talked about um storage and filling of gases because they're using carbon dioxide lpg things like that butane Uh, a lot of butane yep so there's some gases there that they want to be careful about. So how you fill those tanks, where you store those tanks, some monitoring of gases is in there, some signage stuff is in there, egress, uh, interior finishes that you can use. They, I guess they like to use a lot of different plastics because you're looking at um, you know, probably cleaning surfaces, but they want to make sure that they're not, you know, not a fire hazard associated with that. So. There's some interesting things in there. They also got into fire areas, how big the fire areas can be in the cannabis facilities, and they get into signage. So I think it was about four or five pages. But if we pick that up, as we've heard with Pete Regan coming on from Vantage Builders talking about, you know, God, I, I'm only guessing here, but I want to say about 75% of their work is cannabis facilities. Maybe it's 50, but either way, it's a large percentage of their work is cannabis I know Block Builders is doing some cannabis, and there's quite a bit of cannabis work going on in the marketplace right now, so that will be interesting to see if they pick that up. That might be more of a design issue out, out there, but... Yeah, uh, well, I mean, we've done a, a few uh, reviews at this point of, of these facilities, mm-hmm. and there's very little out there as far as you know, spe- specialized uses or the specialized use. Um, you know, you have business, you have uh, F, and you have, you know, SQ for storage. That's right. Yep. Um, so you you divide it up that way, and you look at the building code. But as far as the specialized use of marijuana and utilizing these uh, or cannabis and utilizing these uh, control areas, there's very little right now uh, in the code. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that we just finally determined that dispensaries were going to be an M mercantile occupancy. People were confused as to where we were going to put them. Uh, in the code, and, and we had to get a, a finding on that. So, so yeah, I, I think there's benefit to it. Um, as you said, gases and, and butane being the big one, even in residential homes, which this is not going to cover, um, you know, that's been an issue. So I think that'll be a welcome a welcome change to the code if we can get it into the, the mass amendments. Yeah. 
if you can just do me a favor and go closer to the mic, just because for whatever reason I'm having a volume issue on the camera um, lately. What I want to, what's the other thing I want to, oh, we, yeah, we couldn't figure out where we thought that amendment might get dropped in, so not sure where that's going to live or what where the intent of where that is to live. We didn't see it in the proposed amendment so far, but it looks like there's some chapters missing, so right. uh, it'll be interesting where that shakes out. Staying along those lines of kind of, we don't have any hard numbers on this or hard info on this, but we heard a kind of reporting out of hopes for this fall to adopt a new fire code. Mm -hmm. And that new fire code would be NFPA 12018. Like most code things, it's a moving target. But the fact that they're talking about it in this short of a window means that they must be somewhat close. And historically, I think now that there has been the adoption of NFPA 1, DFS has been a lot quicker and a lot better with updating the code. Because I know we had one edition, the first time we had NFPA 1, which was 2015, I believe. Yep, 2015, NFPA 1. And they've since had new amendments added. Right. But now it looks like they're going to move to another book. So that will be interesting. There's going to be some things along the lines of um, what you were just discussing around NFPA 4, right? Right. Once so if they adopt 2018. If, if the 2018 is adopted, we just discussed high-rise buildings and, and buildings with smoke control systems uh, being required to have integrated testing. And if we adopt uh, this section 13.1.3, so in the 2018 uh, NFPA 1, the section 13.1.3 pretty much pulls every other use um, and building into this integrating test integrated testing requirement. Um, so anything that's not covered by high-rise systems, uh, smoke control, uh, high-rise buildings or smoke control systems. Uh, so again, you may not have a smoke control system and it may be one of those instances where you have uh, a, a sprinkler system and even an ansel system is considered to be two systems, a uh, mm. fire alarm system and uh, an atrium system could be two systems, uh, an atrium control system. So right now, again, and if the IBC 2021 has high-rise buildings and buildings with smoke control systems, uh, and if the NFPA is adopted, it's pretty much going to be any building with two or more fire protection or life safety systems that would be pulled in and be required to have this integrated testing requirement. Fantastic. Um, and that, well, it's not uh, not really if, just when. When, or when, I should say when. When it gets adopted. If they adopt it in the fall, or when they adopt it, uh, it'll be required. Okay. So before I go any further, I want to kind of, I should have mentioned these as we went. So some of the presenters where we're getting this information from, uh, Dan Pachano, from Code Red, did a session on NFPA 3 and 4. You know, you did some due diligence on the um, significant changes to the 2021 edition, so you had kind of picked that up prior, and we had talked about it. Jake Nunamaka is who we're going to talk about next with smoke detectors, smoke alarms. Both of them, he made very clear the difference in his presentation. Thank you, Jake. And uh, Deputy Chief Ed Williams from Brockton, uh, was given the updates on the 2018 edition potentially being adopted in the fall. So there was a lot of people out there giving some great information. 
those were three people in particular that were talking about some of the things that they were talking about over the past couple of days. So last and final, one that I just found Bizarre. interesting. I, I had honestly had no idea. I've never come across it before, and I'm glad it was it was pointed out. Um, I don't know if you want to delve y into it or uh, yeah, no, no, I do. And what why I want to delve into it is when I saw the session, it was a general session, so there wasn't any other option, so everybody went to that one, and they were talking about one and two family smoke alarms and smoke detection systems and jake brought up the point that there were a lot of counterfeit smoke detectors amazing uh, yeah that you know let me kind of set the set the tone here so in a, in a day and age where um you don't even have to get off your couch to get groceries you order groceries online you get uber eats you jump on amazon because you start a book that you you want to get uh, and you order the book, you order clothes and sneakers and whatever it might be, comes over Amazon. Um, people are ordering fire detection devices or smoke detectors on Amazon. And where does a lot of stuff come from? You, know, you get things at a discount. They're much cheaper than they are at the big box stores. Um, you're getting these devices from places that have no quality control. In fact, they may look like the actual device that you, mm. you wanted to buy at, at the big box store, but they're not. They're actually yeah. counterfeits. And, and Jake did a great job explaining they actually hit one of these devices. The For those that don't know, the fire officials have uh, cans of smoke, smoke, they call it, that, yep. that uh, you know represent or resemble smoke, and, and they can spray it into a detector and cause the detector to go off. And they've hit these detectors that are counterfeit with smoke, and sometimes they don't even go off yeah. as they hit them. So the, I guess it is a problem, and you know, countrywide, probably worldwide, obviously, um, you know, fire protection systems in other parts of the world aren't as, as prevalent uh, as they are here in, in you know, the United States. But it was amazing to me, 18 years as a building official, I, I've done you know, renovations and, and I've done new builds, I never knew that there was actually a market out there. You walk through New York almost every other month, and there's counterfeit bags and everything yeah. else. So why not never smoke detectors? Never knew that there was counterfeit smoke, smoke detectors. alarms. <laughs> yeah, and and I thought it was interesting. You talked to the one person, got them for a dollar each, right? Which right. is amazing. Like that th even the plastic, I think, would cost you a buck, right? But shipped, and then I started thinking, what are project managers and superintendents? They're problem solvers. Right now, with all the supply issues going on in the world, if you're going and you can't get something, you're like, and well, you're let me look if I can find it online. Next right. thing you know, you're buying a fire damper off of the internet. And um, Jake talked about how someone thought they were buying the smoke detector from Walmart, but like Amazon, Walmart will redirect, because I bought actually bought some, uh, some vitamins. Right. And I went through Walmart because I wanted to make sure, like I was, just wanted it to be from something that I felt they would stand behind because I was looking for a kind of unique thing and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, oh, I can get it through Walmart. At least I'll have some level of trust. I didn't want to buy it from, you know, Mike's Vitamins, right? Right. Um, but they ended up just redirecting me to some to other seller, website. to a seller, right? Right. So this person thought they were buying the smoke detector from Walmart and they really weren't. 
that was quite interesting. He also said they found a handful of these things, and there's a list of like 22 counterfeits that are out there, like that either UL or Intertech said, hey, here's the ones to look out for. So just to step back, sure, you, you, you hit the, um, the nail on the head there, is all of this equipment uh, that you're putting in, whether it be a commercial project or a one or two families, such as smoke detectors or smoke alarms, mm-hmm. which we can get into in another session, uh, all of these things need to be an approved or listed uh, device, right? So UL, Underwriter's Laboratory. Yeah, by a nationally listed testing. Right. So UL is one yeah. that you'll see. You'll see actually a UL on your – you can see it on the plug, uh, you know, from your oh, toaster. Almost everything. Uh, almost yeah. everything has a UL approval. Uh, and then Intertech is another international company that uh, does device um, in, in, in and appliance – um, and that would be an EL, is that it would ELT? Be ELT. Yeah. ETL? E-L- ETL. It's ETL. Intertech okay. is ETL. Um, so you need to make sure that anything you're buying has those markings. However, yes, as is true for many things, you can go out again, uh, and I say it, you can be in New York City on on uh, Canal Street and pick up a, a you know a Tory Burch bag or a Gucci bag and it says Gucci on it. Similar, these f- smoke alarms, smoke detectors, some of them have the UL and the Intertech marking on them, even though they're counterfeit. So how do you combat that? The only way to really do it is to buy from a reputable, you know, uh, sales source, a reputable um, distributor. So if you're yep. going to or Amazon, or, yeah. you don't know where, you know, you may have some some company that's listed on there, uh, and they may have other sales, but you need to really buy from a reputable reputable uh, location in order to make sure that those aren't false marks that are on those those detectors or those alarms. Yeah, and I think one thing that was telling to give people a grasp of how. Uh, widespread this might be so ul or intertech or whoever had this thing said hey here's the 20 i think it was either 20 or 22 detectors to look out for that are fake you know the dfs had 20 something detectors that different age uh, different departments had given to them and they said that only three of them that they found were on that list of 20 or 22 right which meant the other 17 of them were ones that UL and Intertech didn't even pick up, right. if, that, if that's who, whoever the agency was that was looking into it. So th- there's a big potential here. So I guess the moral of the story is life safety devices are probably not the place where you want to try and uh, roll the dice Skimp or, yeah, on an online product. Get so. from Amazon from an unknown source. And if, you know, as they said to us, and, and I think the fire officials, a lot of the fire officials and the building officials that were in attendance, when this came about, everyone kind of looked at each other like, whoa, this is, this is really a thing. This is happening out there. So as Jake said, uh, if you come across this, if you order something from Amazon, some people are liable just to throw it away. Now, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm going to throw it away. I'm not going to deal with it. But notify DFS, Department of Fire Services. They want to know uh, where they're coming from and that they're out there because that helps them and it helps other people that may not even know and put these devices up. So it helps them to notify people and get the message out there where they're coming from, um, you know, and, and, and what devices they were. So it helps them to be more vigilant, uh, you know, yeah. on behalf of people. Yeah, and the fire department 
does a, a lot of their education, although there's some education in the construction process that happens, but a lot of times they're educating homeowners right. who don't, who are, you know, I guess uneducated consumers, for lack of a better word, when it comes to life safety systems. So if we can, any information we can give them is, is great and it helps them educate the public to keep everybody safe. So I think that's a, that's a big win. So unless you had anything else that you thought was of note, I thought it might be good to just um, recognize FPAM. It is a group of all the fire prevention officers, the board members that put a lot of time into putting these things together, monthly meetings, annual meetings. They're all volunteers. They do you know, great work. I, I enjoyed it. I learned a lot um, over the past couple of days worthwhile and I think the kudos should go out to them especially seeing that they're all doing it in their spare time which is as someone who had worked for an association before with a staff of six or seven people the fact that they're doing it all off of volunteers is, is pretty impressive so shout out to FPAM. No, that, that was my first time um, you know as we say, and I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek, is being on the other side, being mm -hmm. a building official for so long and attending our association meetings, it's not often that there's an integrated meeting. You do have fire officials that attend building officials' meetings, and some building officials attend um, fire officials' meetings, but it's not that prevalent. Um, so the amount you can learn by, as people say, being on the other side, mm -hmm. it, it it's it's worth its weight in gold just to attend both you know your fire prevention and the building officials and that goes for both sides what was great was the conversations we had um you know about the desire to, to um you know cooperate and communicate and and because mm -hmm. the code is evolving we have a lot of code changes that are going to be coming up here with an adoption of a new code adoption of a new fire code so it's going to be critical to have that cooperation um you know and education is key so and both sides are out there doing it and i say both sides um, you know, because that's the way it's been looked at for years. You mean building fire? Building and fire. Um, but it's really not. It's it's not to be cliche or, or corny. It's it's both sides working towards the same goal: is getting permits out and getting buildings built uh, and maintaining them, um, you know, safely. Yeah, it was nice to hear a lot of the fire officials and some of the building officials that were there talking about how in their towns that they work together and we do all of our inspections together that way there's nobody saying this person said that and that person said this and on top of that yes that's that's great because you don't it's the building official and fire official aren't used against each other and that's excellent but from all my years of doing it the contractor wants that too mm -hmm. because they want to just hear one voice and we we talked about it while we were there you hear a million times Contractors will do whatever you want them to do. Just tell them what you want. Right. You know, you want me to wear, you know, pink socks on Tuesday to pass the fire on? Okay, well, I'll wear pink socks. Just tell me what you want. What they don't like is when they don't know what's needed. So it was refreshing to hear them say, I'll see a lot of these towns, uh, like Lexington happen to be saying that they do their inspections together, and then you get consistency, and it works for both parties. So that was always pretty exciting to hear. I also thought uh, the conversations in the hallways were helpful and seeing some of the vendors to know what products are out there because people, you know, sometimes call and are looking for something. If you can help them with the solution that you've seen, that was pretty nice to see just all products that were very fire safety centric. Yeah, and, and you can learn from 
a lot of officials are a bit leery of um, you know talking to the industry professionals, the people that are working for the companies, mm. because there is a perception of they have a special interest. They want to sell their product. But at the same time, whether it's BDAs or whether it's um, temporary fire alarm systems, those people who are yeah, peddling their product also know the ins and outs of the codes and the functions of those systems. That's invaluable information. Yeah, maybe they have a product to peddle and they mm -hmm. want to, you know, s that's their responsibility to sell product. But at the same time, they have the know-how and they have the information that you can mine from them to only make yourself better, to only, you know, give yourself more knowledge in the industry. Yeah, and just th their resource, right? Now, maybe you might have to filter through saying because, oh, hey, they're going to talk and say, oh, yeah, this is one of the most important parts of the code, which happens to be the thing that says that you would need to buy my product. So maybe you might get some some bias in there, but there's still, uh, and I mentioned to you one gentleman, I said, hey, he's he's a great resource. Right. He's, he's selling product, but he's a great resource. He really knows and he's, he's passionate. That's helpful. So this was my second time attending. First time I was presenting. So when you're presenting, you're focused on, you know, making sure your presentation is going to go smoothly and you're focused on that so you're not really taking in the other stuff as much. So this is the first time I really just went there to take it all in. But after this time, I, I see myself heading back there. Uh, even if, you know, even if you leave with three nuggets, then it's worth it. Price point is is great. Right. And if you're, you know, you can stay for dinner, you can stay at the place overnight, you can do that. But um, I will be back for FPAM in the future. Right. So. All right. Take Great. care, guys. Thank you.